everybody, to Simply Amazing, the show where we talk about Nightcrawler every week. And for those of you who have come to us and been like, oh my gosh, are you really going to talk about Nightcrawler every single week? Yes, we are. Every single week, we're going to talk about Nightcrawler or something Nightcrawler related. And I'm telling you right now, if you think we're going to run out of stuff to talk about, we got so much planned. So don't you worry about that. We ain't never run out of stuff to talk the, about. The list just keeps growing. <laughs> oh my gosh, it just keeps growing. Like today's topic. <coughs> oh, pardon me. Jeez, I got so excited. I gave myself COVID. Um, today's topic. <laughs> Today's topic, for example, I just came up with yesterday. So there you go. We're just adding stuff every single day. Well, I'm going to go ahead and introduce myself. My name is Lisa, a.k.a. The OG Nocturne. We have an unbelievable guest, a friend of the pod who's been here before. Before we introduce him, I'm going to throw it over to my wonderful, fabulous, and simply amazing co-host. What's up, guys? I'm your friendly neighborhood by Lauren. And I just want you all to know that Lisa always compliments on how great I look. But today, Lisa is the one shining. She's got this amazing shirt she got from her cruise times. Like, she's oh, living I've the dream. So I'm leaning in. I am. I bought. I've bought three caft cans since I've gotten home, and I'm just leaning into cruise life. I've, I'm just going to be a full time cruiser all the time. I'm going to become a golden girl early. That's what I've said. So. <laughs> As you should be. It's it's mm -hmm. it's being a golden girl is not just about being a golden girl. It's about having a golden way of life. There you go. Exactly. I'm not a golden girl. I'm a golden woman. Thank you very much. So <laughs> there you go. But learn. Tell us about who we got. Yes, yes, yes. Actually, Lisa uh, was the one, again, that thought of this topic and thought to bring our wonderful guest on, but uh, he is one of uh, my personal good friends. Um, we wanted to talk about a very specific image that came out recently um, for X-Men promo art for a book called Immortal X-Men. And we thought, who better to help us uh, really break down this image and what it could mean and why these people are here and all that um, than Mason from Comics and Crosses um, to give us that good... Uh, uh, religion uh, Christian perspective that we all need how are you Mason what is up true believers yep I am good I am here and ready to talk about some of the eternal truths behind our modern mythology Awesome. Yes. Oh, yes. We are so excited to have you here. So the image that we're talking about, of course, is the Marksbrook image that came out. It came out a couple weeks ago. Um, mm -hmm. By the time you listen to it, it might be a couple months ago at this point. Uh, but it's the teaser image for Mortal X-Men that now I, for those of you who have been listening for a while, or you follow me on Twitter, or you just hear me screaming from my house, you know that I'm an art dealer by trade. And so when I first saw this image, it immediately struck me this is a, uh, a redux of uh, Leonardo da Vinci's Last Supper. Very clearly, you can see how all of the characters are relating to each other in this way. The only person missing is the Jesus, fig Jesus figure in the center, which we'll talk about in a second. Um, and the thing about that is you don't choose to reference something as important as a piece of art like that. Now, that piece of artwork has been around since the 1400s. It has been reserved and preserved through the centuries. It is one of the most important pieces of artwork, um, arguably, in history. Um, and and it's, it's one of the most recognizable as well. I mean, if you don't even know anything about art, art history, you will see and know what The Last Supper is. And you wouldn't use that as a reference if you didn't intend to give meaning to the reason why you chose each character to represent each of the apostles in here. And so that's what I find really fascinating. And that's why I thought it'd be great to have Mason come on here. And whereas I'm like dying because of all the art history references, I wanna know more about the religious aspects in here and maybe why 
are, why did he choose maybe that, you know, this character should be this apostle? And why is there no Jesus figure? However, we have Magneto's helmet there and the phoenix on the chair. So I am absolutely spellbound by this. I think it's, it's absolutely rife with uh, symbolism. And yeah, I can't wait to dive, dive into it. What uh so if we start breaking down the image cuz I am very not well versed in any of this like the religious side of it even the art history I am very like noob here um uh, but I know how significant this image is so who are the apostles uh in this image Mason if you can tell us who are the apostles supposed to be and what characters are in their place Well you know what um the so there are the way that I look at it and from what I've understood of it is there are, um, there's kind of a, a, a couple main significant characters in, obviously they're all significant in the image of the original last supper. And as far as who they are, but because of what is happening and when it's happening, um, I'd say the most important to me, people to me have always been obviously Jesus. He is the centerpiece. He's talking to them. He's conveying a message to his closest disciples but then there's also in in the Last Supper there is um, at this time there's John, who John Mark, who was the youngest of the apostles and was described who described himself as uh, uh, as the uh, apostle whom Jesus loved. Um, or wait, actually, there might have been John and John Mark might have been different, but the disciple who was actually uh, the who was actually resting his head on Jesus' chest. Um, at the time during this uh, dinner and is actually looked kind of down upon or kind of it, it annoys some of the other apostles perhaps. And so um, I'm kind of one thing that I noticed when I saw this was I was disappointed that that uh, aspect of the story wasn't kind of like in this uh, in this particular image mm-hmm. um, because Jesus is missing in his place. There is the there is uh, Magneto's helmet seeming like his place is supposed to be there. And, um, and then the Phoenix uh, symbol on the chair. So, which speaks of resurrection. So um, that's, you know, that's kind of interesting because the Phoenix is another symbol of resurrection along with maybe the cross or, you know, just um, Jesus in general. Um, so I'm saying a lot of things. And if it, if it sounds like that, I am because there's so much imagery in here and there's so many different ideas and things colliding all at once. But so I, I notice, uh, so I, when I think of the last supper, I think of John and his relationship to Jesus and obviously Judas, who is the main, uh, betrayer, um, and who the one who sold Jesus out, um, for silver. And now actually, Lisa, you probably know better than me. Where does Judas normally sit in this picture? So Judas normally sits, I'm looking between the two of them. So it's it's interesting because the thing is, is that a lot of these characters are almost word for word, like letter for letter, certain characters. Like, um, for example, uh, like Thomas, James the Greater and Philip are almost exactly Shaw, Kitty or Kate and Emma. Like those, those they're taking the almost exact positions but then when you have the judas um the little like because like i did i did i did some rereading about the last supper uh today and they talk about um how when leonardo da vinci um designed it he did every single they the characters were done in triplicates so he would do the like three three of the apostles and then three of the apostles and then jesus and then three of the apostles and three of the apostles and like each kind of 
little triplicate has its own meaning. And um, the, the triplicate with Judas is very confusing because it's the one that doesn't really match the one in the painting very much. But that also might be because if they matched it perfectly, it would be like, oh, Judas is supposed to be blah, blah, blah. So therefore this person is the one who's going, you know, it, they obviously they have to leave something to. So Judas really would be where Sinister is. But then again, Sinister is also taking the place of Peter. So it, it's, yeah, it's like, and then death is there in this weird spot. Wait, yeah. And so there, there are some holes too in my X Men knowledge, I will admit. And so when I saw this, I said, why is the Grim Reaper? Is that like the Grim Reaper or is that a mutant? <laughs> no, that that's death. That's death herself. Yeah. So Straight it's like um, if you if you know anything about the original Infinity Saga and Thanos and one hit him uh, one get the yeah. Infinity Stones, that is not correct in the MCU at all. He wanted those because he was in love with death herself, and he was right. trying to get her attention. And no matter how many planets he destroyed, she was like, "Eh, don't care." So he said, "I hope this will get your attention." So that's who death is. Death is that literal being right there. Gotcha. Okay, so we got death in here. Um, you know, the thing is, it it is funny because you see in this in this image like how some of them even have their their body or their hand positions, you know, kind of like in the same kind of wondering, questioning, almost shrugging, and that whole idea of Jesus presenting like one of you will betray me. Is it I? You know, is it I? Am I the one? And um, so I'm wondering if this is kind of speaking to where the Immortal X Men story is going to go. Because we know that um, I think the way they promoted has been like um, the Quiet Council. They're keeping this secret of everything that's happened in uh, Inferno and everything with Moira and, um, you know, what went down. And so um, there's kind of a like they're united in upholding sort of a, a lie or, a, you know, um, keeping the deep, dark secrets of um, Krakoa and of the mutants. And so I wonder, you know, if if in where this, you know, is going to go, there's kind of supposed to be at odds. And if some, you know, something is going to happen that's going to cause Magneto to be sort of uh, crucified for the greater good of mutantdom or, or just temporarily die and be it seems strange to have the Phoenix idea of resurrection, because as we know, resurrection is now commonplace in in the world of X-Men and of mutants. So I, I think it raises a lot of questions with the direction of this series and um, what kind of this will mean for the Quiet Council going forward. Yeah, I agree with you about the, the possibility of, of Magneto being the one who might be deceived or be that character. You know, he seems to be in that position. Um, and, you know, the whole Last Supper is Jesus telling everybody, hey, one of you guys is going to you know, deceive me or turn on me here. There's just other symbolism that I want to talk about too. Like, you know, so you have these goblets on either side, right? And then on one, so I don't understand. It's interesting to see who they've chosen on either side. And again, I feel like we're going to find out eventually why they've put people on either side. On one side, you have Emma and she's got the goblet in front of her and it's turned up and it's fine. And then you have Sinister and Colossus on the other side and the goblet's turned down and the wine is pouring out of it. And we know in, in Christian and Catholic mythology or Catholic mythology especially, 
um, the wine is the blood of Christ. And mm-hmm. in a lot of ways, and especially in art and, um, you know, like, like art symbolism, you know, showing wine like that is like bloodshed or some kind of, you know, so it almost seems like there's going right. to be some huge war coming or some kind of a lot of death. We see in the background, it looks like something is heading for um, Araco. So that doesn't look great. Uh, it, <laughs> yeah, it, you mentioned you mentioned death. And specifically, if you look at death and her hand is a what do you call that? A time uh, uh, oh, a time. Yeah, when you flip it over and the sand drains to to say how much time is left, and it's almost at its end. Like it's about so death is to me that says death is coming. Like yeah, like you said, war is coming, death is coming, and she's she's just getting ready to collect somebody. And it is interesting that she is on the side with Mister Sinister, also the side with Colossus, who we know is under manipulation, but also on that side are Storm and Kurt. Which concerns me very, very much. Yeah, because the left side of this image does seem to be like almost the foreboding, um, you know, uh, calamity that is is nearing, and then and then the right side, you know, seems like actually the people that I would have thought would have been more likely to maybe screw over Eric or or do something like I could see Charles being a Judas to Eric, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, more so, or maybe, you know, in Destiny, she's already been a big problem to um, their their plans. But then it's really the left side of this image that is seems like where all the trouble is represented. Um, and be Sinister being in Judas's spot and the, the very kind of obvious symbol of bloodshed, uh, you know, with the cup being knocked over. Um, so there's a weird kind of symmetry and balance to this Um uh, which I think is really cool how they center it, not just with the Phoenix, but one of those gates, one of those, uh, what do they call them? The, oh, the them forever gates or they call them something else. Um, yeah. The, the Krakoan gates. I don't, yeah, yeah I think, they, I don't think they have gates. a technical term yet. Yeah. <laughs> yeah those portals yeah. that, you know, Kate stoppers. You, yeah. You <laughs> can see you go to Araka, Araco. <laughs> yeah. Um, and so, yeah, it's, um, uh, I, all of it's all of it's very interesting, and I feel like all I'm doing is stating questions. But um, but it's it's true. This raises a lot of questions, and then I think the whole the whole foundation of this time of the X Men has been, I would say, if I were to summarize in a nutshell, their the X Men's theme in the Krakoan era is um, playing God. Um, oh and, yes, mm-hmm. and things you know them kind of soaring to the highest of heights. You know, even, you know, making planets inhabitable and, uh, you know, playing with resurrecting uh, and recreating life. And um, I think it's kind of um, striking, you know, that there is no um, Jesus in this image or that he's missing or that maybe Magneto will represent him. But it's kind of throughout this whole thing. I think it's a big story. I see it as a big cautionary tale in that trying to play God without God is a very uh, dangerous and, and inevitably damning thing. That is, oh my gosh. Okay, I got chills because <laughs> just the way you said that, like that the, the Jesus is missing of it all, right? Um, because the, th- the thing about the Last Supper that, uh, you know, makes it a powerful image is that 
all these men are standing around or, or sitting around their they're essentially sitting around their savior and they know going into whatever whatever they're going into next this is their savior they're putting all their faith in but there's no one there there's no savior yeah. there's no one there's no one and i think i feel like the symbolism is almost like magneto should have been the one but he's uh-huh. gone you know, yeah. I, and that's what I'm feeling like. I, I mean, again, it's, but I, that is, I, I, I'm also, I, I don't know, I'm also reading into the stuff on the table because um, it, just going back to, going back to my very limited, and Mason, you can help me out with it because I, you know, I went to Catholic school very, very, uh-huh. for very, very briefly, like religion every Sunday for until I got confirmed and then I was done with it. Um, but, you know, they have a very decadent spread on their table. They've got like lobster tails. And we know that, you know, in like Leviticus, lobster is like one of the things you're not supposed to eat. And they've oh, got those sure, sure. things like that, you know, the little creepy crawlies on the floor. And it just seems like when you look at what they're eating in the actual Last Supper image, it's literally just bread. Just lots and lots of bread all over the place, bread, bread, bread. Mm. But then here, it's much more decadent, and it almost seems like, like they're getting their comeuppance for like resting on their laurels. And mm. it's almost like you can have everything you want, but you know, it's, it's you, you know, you're, you're maybe you're going too far almost. Or I mean, yeah. that that completely supports you know what Mason said with the whole they're playing god God, and they're not even gods and they have no god you know they're they're trying to live this luxurious life and i do think like you said earlier it's going to pitch to you know the book of immoral x-men where they're all fighting everybody thinks they're a god everybody thinks they know the right way to handle this everybody thinks they know what to do with all these secrets and everybody's gonna i think everybody's gonna backstab each other honestly and the one person who could have held it together or at least could have attempted to has now left because we know Magneto leaves the quiet council. You know, they told us that, but he's still in the middle. His helmet is in the middle on the table. They could have put it on the floor. They could have put somewhere else on the table in the background. They put it right smack in the middle of the table. And I still think that even though he's gone right now, I think this is foreshadowing his importance later on when Krakoa does eventually start to burn, like when we get the actual inferno yeah. that uh, Hickman intended yeah. to do before they decided let's keep mm-hmm. doing Krakoa. You know, yeah, you know, um, feasts are an interesting thing. They, the idea of you know feasts appears a lot in the Bible and in different ways. You know, there's um, you probably heard about Jesus performing his first miracle at a wedding feast. You know, turning mm-hmm. water into wine, but actually, a lot of times in um, Old Testament or even the New Testament, they reference that, you know, you got to consider in old biblical times, ancient times, a feast was a big deal because, you know, people weren't just rich like they are today. And so um, feasts were often associated with pagan practices where you hear about people sitting down to feast, basically rising up uh, to play and then lying down. So basically, you know, feasting, getting drunk, partying and having big orgies like and so there was from the, you know, Old Testament, New Testament perspective was do not engage in these pagan worships like these these things are not good. But then also um, on the other side of that, though, when Jesus came, they came from a paradigm of abstain from this. Like you said, don't eat lobster, don't eat shellfish, don't eat these things that are unkosher. Um, so there was actually a big shift to say, no, it is no longer. Now you can feast. Now you can have these things because it's a new covenant. Now it's not about your practice of abstaining, but rather you being welcomed into heaven because of Jesus welcoming you in. Um, So, um, and in fact, another really interesting story that's kind of personal to me was um, 
my uh, great grandfather, right, on my mother's side, um, was a uh, was a rooster to the end. He was a um, a proud, uh, hot-headed Mexican man who uh, went out and um, he would smack my great grandmother around, go out and drink and party and do whatever he wanted. And uh, in his in his dying days, however, he um, shortly before he passed, he had a dream, and you know my great grandmother would pray for him, you know, throughout his life that he would, uh, you know, come to a place of repentance or a place of humility and changing his, uh, um, uh, less palatable ways. And so, um, in his dying days, he had a dream where he found himself sitting at a great feast in heaven and he, and he looked around and, and said, I, I don't belong here. Like, <laughs> you know, I am not. But in his dream, uh, God or an angel, somebody had told him, I've made a place for you here. And that in, is a pretty good summary of what the Christian message is, is, is uh, a great feast. Heaven is like a great party that you uh, have not paid the ticket of entry for, but a place has been made for you regardless. Um and um, so feasting and, and can have can have great heavenly imagery or it can have uh, uh, a sort of anti heavenly imagery where it's it's either it's either the great immortal spoils of the unseen kingdom of God or it's the perishable uh, immediately satisfying spoils of life that is bound to this earth. That is fascinating. And, I, and as I go back and forth between the two sides of the table, I think both are represented in ways. Yeah. Yeah. Because, and then going, because going back to just the idea of, of going back to my very limited, you know, Catholic school days and, or religion school days and, and what I learned, you know, you know, the, the blood of Christ was the, was the wine and the body was the bread. And you look on the, on the side with Emma and destiny and them, you have a whole loaf of bread, you've got full glasses. And then on the other side, the bread is cut, the glass is spilled. It's yeah, it's not going to be good. Whatever's happening. It's not good. What's coming is not going to be good guys. Yeah. Something that uh, was kind of um, hitting me when I would be reading through X-Men and seeing those kind of parts that were illustrated out with these, uh, almost they seem like, you know, files or very mathematical and kind of, uh, you know, the, the stuff that isn't comic, but it's just kind of the inserts in the, in the X-Men comics during the Krakoa time is um, it struck me that, you know, I think with Krakoa and Araco, there's this kind of mirroring effect, you know, that, um, that Hickman was playing with. And I think of the idea of, I don't know exact because it's very dense like and 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 i don't know exactly what he was thinking but i thought man looking at all these gates and the way that Araco kind of lines up with krakoa it's almost like they're the either side of the same coin and you really kind of see that in this image because more things are sticking out to me in this promo image whereas scott's glasses are on the right side of the table and mm-hmm. his cyclops glasses are down on the ground um, the Phoenix symbol is up on the chair, but Jean's uh, regular kind of mask is down on the ground. Um, there is cooked lobster on the table, but there's a live lobster, I think, or somebody's awful. Some kind of like feet. centipede thing. Yeah. Yeah. Thing. Down on the ground, you know? And, um, so there's, you're seeing, yeah, a lot of these reflections and, uh, and then, I mean, Araco slash Mars is, is there in the background too. So, um, I think, 
maybe we might learn more about how these two worlds kind of mirror each other. Um, I think it's like a picture of heaven and earth, a picture of the temporal and the spiritual and, um, you know, uh, Krakoa and Arako. So, yeah, I liked a lot what you said earlier, Mason, with uh, the whole heaven and the whole in Christianity, you know, even if you haven't necessarily earned your ticket or your spot, there's still a spot for you that that's the idea is that is still there for you. And I think funny enough, that describes everybody here. Everybody thinks there's a spot for them in heaven. But what if they realize it's not there? There is not a spot for them unless they actually do better or they're not guaranteed it just by being on this quiet council. Um, All these people seem to think they're above all these other mutants and especially above humankind, obviously. Um, But I think, or what I'm hoping we're going to see is everybody's kind of tested. Everybody's kind of uh, having to realize, like you said, that they are not gods that guess what? Like, yeah, you can reincarnate now, but what happens if you lose that? Um, you know, and, and what if, you know, again, the Phoenix does come back and, and they somehow lose reincarnation and the Phoenix is the only one that can reincarnate again. You know, that mm. would be, uh, incredibly fascinating. Cause I didn't even notice what you said until you pointed out Mason earlier with the whole Scott's glasses on the table, but his visor on the bottom, um, same with the Phoenix and Gene. I think that's incredibly fascinating and could be foreshadowing, um, stuff like that where Scott maybe takes more of a leadership role and stops being in the field as much. And maybe we do get the Phoenix back with the X-Men. I don't know, but that's really exciting. Yeah. yeah at first I thought it was kind of like, uh, I noticed his, you know, Cyclops glasses down on the floor and, and jeans. And I thought, Oh, maybe those represent council members who aren't on the council anymore. Like they didn't make it or they weren't, I don't know, worthy or didn't, you know, moved on and, and they couldn't handle what this council is handling or something like that. But, um, yeah, you know, I think in, um, around the time that, uh, Jesus appeared, um, Judaism was going through a, a sort of, um, I don't know if you'd call it a, I almost want to say like, a. uh, renaissance or a reformation to a re a going back to kind of more of their stricter historical um religious practices because they were you know being occupied by rome and they were actually losing a lot of people to different kind of philosophies and um and you know ways of 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 life really and so um there was a big call to, to jewish people to to be traditionally strictly jewish um and uh and the situation was they, they had a very strict law, which with a lot of cultural practices spelled out in the, in the Torah. And, um, and so um, the, the whole message of Jesus when he came, you know, was not actually a worship me or follow me, but was uh, I, I, you know, he was proclaiming the good news of the kingdom of God, that it had arrived. And so... Um, there's a big, so I mentioned this to bring up the idea of the X-Men have, they saw a lot of their numbers dwindle. They lost a lot of mutants. Uh, as, as a people, they have come actually unified and got together around what makes them mutants. 
in order to preserve their way of life and their identity and who they are. And it's, it's caused a lot of rigid, um, strict kind of cultural guidelines, even though there's the, there's the spark and there's the kind of three laws, there really is a lot that they have to do to maintain their new way of life. I mean, that, so that resurrection is always possible. And so they're doing all of this to try to achieve eternal life and preservation of who they are. Um, but they may end up losing it because just like with the, the Jewish people trying to adhere to their cultural laws, um, the actual message of heaven that came was, um, it's not the things that you do that are going to make you pure. You know, it is what is in your heart. And, um, and so um, I think a lot of times it's like they say the, the road to hell is paved with good intentions. A lot of times where you see groups, you know, really doing everything they can to get it just right. It usually leads to major blow up destruction and ultimately a fall from grace. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think, yeah, I think we see that coming uh, in the not <laughs> future for sure. Um I want to point out one thing that I noticed as we were looking at this image uh, that I'd not noticed before. I like zoomed all the way in. And so Sinister is definitely taking a spot that Judas would sit in. And in, um, in the initial, in the original one, Judas is holding in his hand, the silver that he was paid in order to give Jesus in. Mm. And in Sinister's hand, he's holding a tiny coffin. Huh? And it, that to me feels like, the price that they've paid is their mortality hmm. or I wonder if immortality. That, yeah. I wonder if that's, I wonder if that's meant to, I, I feel like that is a misdirection in terms of like, I feel like because he's saying next to death, he's got a coffin in the hand, the blood's near him. People are going to think, Oh, he's going to die. But I wonder if he is going to be the cause specifically of someone's death or the death of something specific. Well, what I think it might mean is I think basically that I think what this might all come down to is that the X-Men have been have made this plan with Sinister and, um, you know, thinking, oh, he's you know, he's 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 changed. He's changed. Let him in. He's great. But like what they don't realize is like, you know, they've opened themselves up to giving him more of their freaking genetic genetic material. Now he's got all of their genetic material. What he's wanted this whole time, guys. Like, it's what he's been after the whole time. And so I don't know. That's what I kind of read into it is like, you know, you, you guys made this great deal with him to to do all this. And then, um, you know, now he's now holding all of your additional lives in his hand, basically. Now, like, that's what he's been paid with is, is all your future lives or non-lives that you may have because he has all your genetic material, essentially. Right. And it's kind of a house of cards now, isn't it? With the way the X-Men have it set up that, I mean, if Sinister kind of pulls what he has and, or if, you know, one of the, what is it? The five or the three who make resurrection possible. Mm, the five. Um, mm -hmm. you know, um, yeah. You know, I mean, yeah, if one of these things gets messed up somehow, or if somebody becomes an enemy of Krakoa, I mean, who's a crucial cog in this wheel, I mean, it's going off the rails, you know? And we know that chimeras are coming down the road. So we know Sinister is going to go off the rails. You know, like we know he's not just going to stick and be like, oh, let's just, he's going to be like, oh, you know, let's bring back Gene, but like, eh, sprinkle a little Psylocke in there. You know, like he's just, you know, he's just going to start screwing around with things because he can. Um, and we know it's coming. So I think that that's part of this where, you know, he's 
clearly a betrayer. He'll he's been a betrayer since the beginning. He's never not going to be a betrayer. Should have been listening to Nanny this whole time. But <laughs> I mean, you know. So that 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 um, scene during the Hellfire Gala where Nanny chased him, that's still one of the the best scenes I've ever seen oh, yeah. where he's just yelling Judgment Day Mother Emperor like Oh yeah. That shit's so funny. I mean, I got to say with the with the the placement in this image, it again troubles me intensely that not only is Colossus behind Sinister, which makes sense since he's under manipulation, but Storm and Kurt. And one thing that concerns me is that Storm and Kurt during this Krakoan era, the little characterizations they've got on their own time, um, they both seem to be, even though they are good still, they're both very lawful. Meaning if, you know, somebody said, hey, you know, this is the law, we have to do it this way, even if I don't think it's the best moral decision, this is the law, we have to uphold it. I am concerned they are standing behind Sinister. Um, because that concerns me that, you know, Sinister's going to do something that is, you know, wrong or hurts people, but if it isn't against the law or upholds a law that they have made, then Storm and Kurt are going to say, we don't want to back this up, but unfortunately we feel obligated to. And I don't like it. I do not want that. Yeah. I don't know which, you know, what's going to go happen with them exactly. And um, I'm wondering what's Lockheed up to. I mean, I, I, <laughs> he's flying you know, around. I, he, you know, he could be he's, the key to this whole thing. <laughs> I, I wish. He got a ride in with Sobinar and he was like, I'm just, I'm just going to hang out and I'm just coming in. Um, I'm just looking up a couple of the, because I don't necessarily think that their position there because they're behind Sinister or they're with Sinister so much as I think that they're positioned there because they're supposed to be represented by the actual um, apostles who are there. Because like, for example, I'm looking for Andrew. I know I've read this earlier and okay, maybe like, for example, I know that um, like, for example, like Kurt, for example, is, is supposed to be Andrew and Andrew's big thing was like the shock of like, Oh my gosh, like, what do you mean? Someone is going to betray you. No one's betraying you. And like that whole like thing. And, and I could see Kurt being like, Whoa, whoa, whoa. Like we've been working our asses off this whole time. Like we've been doing everything right. Uh, like, uh, what do you mean? There's a betrayal. Like who's betraying us. We've all trusted each other. I could see him being a part of that, like he has so much faith in what they've built and he's put so much faith in what they've built that I could see that being his response to the, to the betrayal of the system and the betrayal of whatever's going to come. Hmm. Yeah. yeah. I, I mean, I like that much better than what I'm worried about. So if that's it, I will happily take a uh, judge Lisa, please issue your ruling. It should happen. Thanks. Done. <laughs> Done. <laughs> yeah. It's from like, from what I'm reading, it's like the three of them, Bartholomew James and uh, Andrew, who are um, Colossus, Storm, and Kurt, they're surprised at at the at that notion. Oh, okay. I, yeah, I, I like to be that. surprised. Yeah, especially then, with Storm getting because she's basically leading the X Men Red title, which is the other book I'm really excited about with this era. Mm -hmm. um, I'm really excited to see um, her leadership role. Uh, grow more and get more of a spotlight because yeah i think especially if you're you know if your interpretation of the image is ends up correct that she's gonna be um a very welcome surprise key figure when shit hits the fan further yeah from like i mean really it's like the pockets right next to jesus are the ones that seem to be the most important in the last supper and you can if i'm wrong mason you can tell me but and so i would say that that's who you want to focus in on there but then Destiny's all the way on the on the side, and we know Destiny's going to be important because it's called Destiny of X. So, 
It's got to be. She's got to be well, important somewhere. And, and her and Charles are sitting right next to each other, looking buddy buddy. Like, what's up with that? I I no <laughs> no. But also, maybe yes, because then that just proves that Charles really is a villain. So if that's the revelation that occurs, I'm fine. Oh, oh. So this is interesting. This is really interesting. So I'm looking again at the the breakdown. So this makes a lot of sense. So Simon, Simon the Zealot is who Destiny is supposed to be. And uh, Mystique and Charles are supposed to be Matthew and uh, Jude Thaddeus. Okay, if I'm wrong, again, correct me. (laughs) And in the original Last Supper, they're both looking to Simon being like, "Uh, do you know anything about this? Like, do you have any answers? So obviously, I mean, if you're looking for answers, you'd look to the precog, right? You'd be like, "Um, hey, what's going on, Destiny? Do you know what's going on here? So that makes sense to me perfectly that they would be like, hey, girl, what's up? What's who's what's going on so yeah that makes a lot of sense i mean i don't know that you know every single character is going to make sense perfectly with exactly who they were chosen to represent because he you know obviously he had to he had limited resources or limited um not limited resources limited options like he had certain characters that are the apostles and certain characters that are in the quiet council he can't just be like well actually gambit would be great here no gambit's not the quiet council. <laughs> So, so he had only certain options, so he had to make them fit in a certain way. And I think the, I think the important ones we need to look at are Sinister, Exodus, Death, which whatever that means. I think um, Emma, um, I think Colossus is important. I don't know about specifically what, but I think he's really important. I think Destiny's important. Shaw, maybe, but I think those are the ones that are really, who are like, were chosen very, very di- like directly for that reason, but I don't know. Well, and is it? I mean, uh, so I'll get into spoilers for Inferno. Hopefully, you've read it by now. Um, oh my gosh, it came out like a hundred years ago. Come on, like last <laughs> was it like like well, last month? Come on, give me a break. <laughs> some people, you know, I see them posting on a Sunday, like catching up on my reading, and they're reading stuff that's a couple months old. You know, whatever. So how do you feel? But look, you know, if you haven't at this point, that's on you. So, uh, you know, at the end of Inferno, though, um, we we saw there was that scene where, um, you know, Eric was facing Eric and Charles were facing um, um, Nimrod, 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 the Sentinel. And, uh, you know, and and Eric uh, gets, I think, uh, killed in that. And, you know, so there Mm -hmm. I I was wondering then seeing this, like, is there you know, something about what he was finding out and, you know, not being able to get back to the others, you know, uh, you know, is some, there's something with, I don't know, with that, you know, losing, because they lose sometimes information in between resurrections, if things aren't done just right, or if they're out of range, or, you know, um, and so, um, what, you know, what, what significance is there going to be to, to Eric, maybe, getting resurrected or not and when and you know and and then like what does do the other council members part do they play in that is that you know because they're charles if anybody is always making decisions that he thinks are for the better good um that maybe that are you know that are kind of iffy morally iffy questions so there could be some something going down that's going to directly affect eric that um you know may not be his choosing 
Yeah, that's that also brings up another interesting question where so in Onslaught Revelations, they talked about how those little bits of missing thing, like those oh, little bits yeah. of missing, like mm-hmm. Onslaught was feeding on them, which yeah. made it seem like they were something like at least psychically tangible. Mm-hmm. So then if Onslaught's no longer feeding on them, then what happens to them? Where are they? Do they still yeah. exist somewhere in like the, I don't know, like the white hot room or like, I don't know, psychic somewhere? Like, can someone access them somewhere? Because if he could feed on them, then then they're ha- I, that answers that that brings up that whole thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, that's yeah. a good question. I think. Um, if if you guys haven't read the Sabretooth series or weren't planning on it, you should if if that question intrigues you because that, I yeah. think I think that uh I think that could potentially answer that question. The first issue hasn't answered that yet. Um but the way that first issue went, I can tell you uh based on how dark and brutal and cruel it is, um, I think that could end up answering that question for you. Um it answered me what you said about Magneto's reincarnation stuff, because we talked so much about how this image shows, you know, the Phoenix and is a symbol of reincarnation that Magneto's helmet is right in front of it. Um, yeah, it could almost be like when Magneto was is, you know, uh born again, you know, when he's brought back to life something changed like you said it could be good or bad or otherwise it could be because he lost something or maybe he actually gained something so um i think that's something we definitely will need to pay attention to because yeah like he's choosing to leave the quiet council which is huge because he's basically leaving charles side which is huge because they were both basically the ones that built krakoa um with moira it was built on lies, so you know. I True, know. and maybe Magneto's realizing that, and and it's settling in because because he didn't like it originally, but he went with it because of Charles, and and now it seems like his it, something could have changed. Obviously, Charles just bats his eyes at him and is like, "Eric, please," and that's <laughs> it. You know, like or he, you know, I'm sorry, Eric, but you can't be allowed to leave. And maybe you know, there's it's like you're with us or you're against us. And uh, it's kind of like this thing is a house of cards and you just can't step down from it. So maybe the maybe I mean, it's a situation where the punishment of not being in line with our plan for immortality is to be condemned to mortality or, you know, where they, they, they I, take away. I don't think that because he is also going to be in the X-Men Red Book with Storm. Um, which X-Men Red oh, is basically true. a continuation of the Sword uh, series. Um, oh. and, and he was already a big part of Sword. Um, so I think it's going to be more like uh, how Cyclops stepped down originally from the Quiet Council because he wanted to reshift his priorities. I think that's what Magneto is initially going to do, but there could, you know, there's going to be underlying stuff that he's not going to say or admit to Charles because maybe he's like, okay, so... Um, the stuff that we did with Moira actually wasn't great, but Xavier still thinks it was great. Um, yeah, no, um, we're, we're going to have marital issues. Um, we're going to have a divorce, but I'm not going to say it yeah. yet. <laughs> I think the, o- I think the only way that you get um, uh, stuck with uh, li- uh, unlimited mortality as a mutant is you just are one of Emma Frost's sisters and she just immediately uh-huh. just putting you to the back of the line. Yeah. Or, like, no. Oh, Cordelia's up? No, no, no. Back of the line. Or the because line. of Inferno, because they uh, Mystique used that weapon of forges to make Mora no longer a mutant. What if that oh, somehow yeah. becomes a punishment? That could become a punishment. That is very true, too. 
Sorry, I'm just my mind. I'm tangenting somewhere. I wasn't Lock, uh, Lockheed big in like the um, <laughs> the uh, what was he's, it? The uh, Ten of Swords. Always, are you thinking maybe of like was it Jubilee Sun that turns into a dragon? Oh, like yeah. that yeah, thing. That's probably who you're thinking of. (laughs) Yeah, Yeah, okay. Because Jubilee, Kitty Pride, I was just there getting mixed up in my head. Those uh, teenage girls who work with Wolverine who have dragons. I mean, they're so. (laughs) He's got. And neither one of them are teenagers anymore. They finally got. They finally were allowed to age a little bit. It's it's wild. I know. It's it's a hard adjustment. So (laughs) it's fair. And can we get a Lockheed uh, Lockjaw series? Um, Yes. There supported. was one. There was you, really. There was. You guys did you did you never read Lockjaw and Lock the Lockjaw and the Pet Avengers? Oh my god! Oh man, that sounds awesome. <laughs> you okay? Okay, bear with everybody because it is amazing. It came out like ten <laughs> years ago. It's Lockjaw and the Pet Avengers. It's got Lockjaw, Lockheed, um, Red Wing, uh, Ms. Lion, who is Aunt May's dog, and it's just a fluffy stupid white dog um who else uh is it it's got dazzlers a- it's got a cat in it and i think it's either dazzlers cat yeah. or fire Force cat i think some cat who's a there's a bitchy cat oh and throg the fo- the yeah. thor and the thor frog it is so good i loved every second of it and they need to come back with it but they need to now come back and it has it should be lockheed and the pet x-men and they need to like do it again and ms lion needs to come back 100 percent I support that. Oh. I, I just pulled it up. I'm looking at the uh, the cover for the first issue right now. And yeah, I think we need to do an episode on the series. That's fantastic. Oh, 100%. <laughs> it is so freaking cute. They need to have, do Lock, 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 Lockheed and the Pet X-Men. And they have to have Pickles the Bamf in it. It'll be Yes. So awesome. uh, yeah. That sounds It'll awesome. Dope. It'll be so awesome. Anything well, Throg, I'm all about. Oh um, my God. Throg is the best. Throg is... I can't believe Throg is a thing that exists, but, um, <laughs> but, and you know what I love about Throg? The fact that Throg is a thing that exists and now like alligator Loki is a thing that exists. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so like, it is safe to say that there is a place in the multiverse where it's just like every, everybody is just some kind of amphibian or reptile. Dude, yeah. If Disney plus did a Throg like animated series. It would crush it. Like that would be their most popular thing. Could you even imagine? Could you even imagine? They did like a, a, could, they should just do like a Lock John the Pet Avengers show. Like that would be they should. So I mean, uh, I if if, if DC can make a Super Pets movie or whatever, why yeah, won't Marvel? Yeah. I don't understand it. I don't either. Oh my gosh. Okay, before we go too far off of tangent, <laughs> yeah. And before we wrap up, I do want to ask you guys: Who do you guys think this guy is who's peeking over Colossus's shoulder? Weird Sparkle Man. Okay, I've is been it... wondering that. Because, uh, like, oh no, no, no. Okay, I I have a guess. Okay. Um, if you've read the first issue of uh, X Deaths of Wolverine. Um, there, so this is pretty much on the cover of the issue, so I don't really think it's spoiling it. Um, but basically, the so one, the excess of Wolverine series, it's not really that much about Wolverine, it's actually a continuation of Inferno. I say that because oh. it was not marketed well because I didn't know that. Um, it immediately starts with Moira on the run and Mystique chasing her. So, read oh. excess of Wolverine if you are not. Oh, okay, yes, you should read it. Um, but the <laughs> but the end of the issue, there is a uh, 
a, a digital Wolverine that appears and it looks like it's made of warlock. Um, and it has that yellow uh, black pattern that we see on this dark figure here. So I am guessing that is who it is. And you find out in that series that that character is a part of Krakoa, but it's older than Krakoa. Anyways, it's this oh whole thing God. we still don't know all about. But there's something going on there. So there's some darkness in Krakoa or whatever. It could just be like Warlock in general, just that whole Warlock situation. Because, I mean, he's just all over the place. Okay, my theory was Starman from the Justice Society of America. (laughs) um, With a cloak, um, checking out what the X-Men are doing. Um, (laughs) Pretty cool looking character. Uh, Had that like Donna Troy outfit, kind of but like everywhere. Um, Yeah, so probably not right, but... You know what? If it happened, I'd be okay with it because that means DC and Marvel are going to like crossover comics again. And that's really all I want right now. So like here for it. I was going to say Mr. Sparkle from the Simpsons because he's sparkly. (laughs) Um, And it's, uh, you know, he makes your just as clean. So Mm. that's all I got. I got nothing else. Well, they're they're going to need that after that feast. I mean, you saw those dishes and stuff like my Lord. Let me tell you, I just hope there's a mutant who can get stains out of whites without also taking out the green because that <laughs> or otherwise that whole thing is destroyed. Yeah, so three wildly different guesses. We will have to wait and see. Although now I have to go out and get the X deaths of Wolverine. Yeah, um, yeah. The deaths one, not the lives. The lives one I read and I didn't care about, and I'm still not sure how it's gonna connect to X deaths, but I don't really care. Um, except yeah. is really good. Nice. Yeah. I will say that I did enjoy that they included the little cliff that Mystique threw Nightcrawler off of in the background. So that was a good include. Huh. There. What? So. Oh, wait. I had one more thing. I had actually, a, uh, not that yours or not, but I had a legitimate guess about who that cloak character was. Um, oh. So it wasn't there. I'm trying to think back because I believe that like in um, Way of X um, and or maybe in the X-Men series when... Um, lost was like wandering around wasn't there some kind of like dark entity that was like in krakoa that they didn't know it was there like this mysterious figure am i imagining this but i thought i saw the patchwork man that was like onslaught oh that was part that was onslaught okay yeah yeah the only the only other thing i can think of is like somnus because his costume kind of looks like that but that doesn't make sense no i'm telling you come back to me after you read excess of wolverine i guarantee you (laughs) okay the warlock connection makes sense to me because that sparkly warlocky thing and now that we know that he's like basically everywhere on krakoa yeah that that makes sense to me um i like that um and then it, it ties into legacy and all that stuff with the exiles which i love so um yeah, i love or, that or it's a dc crossover with starman <laughs> or or the simpsons that D- disney owns so who knows it could or be on a troy like moody it could be. <laughs> um yeah so um the other the other thing that i find a little bit distressing is that uh exodus has a halo and he looks like he's about to sit down so let's, let's be a yeah that, about that's that. concerning but, yeah don't need a zealot taking over we do not. No, no, no. I, I think yeah. we already have enough zealots ruling, like Xavier, for example. Thank you. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> well, this has been enlightening. Thank you, Mason, so much for joining us. This has been really awesome. I loved breaking this down and like going through everything. And I feel like I 
came to conclusions I did not expect to come to. And you definitely made me think of things I wouldn't have. So that was amazing. Thank you so much. Yeah, thanks for having me. I did love being on with you ladies. It's always a fun conversation. And uh, um, the people won't get to see, I guess, but you have this marvelous um, a- uh, outfit, cloak, shirt. I don't know. What oh, yes. Yes. I'll have did... to... You, you got to post on Instagram or something. Instagram it up, girl. No, well, you know, we, we've started doing lives, so you guys are going to have to tune in for the next live, and oh, I'll, that's I'll true. have to dress it up for that. So. <laughs> yeah. That's, that's true. And, and Mason, you uh, plug yourself away. I know you uh, actually started your own lives. You do a live show now three times a week. Tell us about that and all your plugs. Yes, yeah, definitely. So um, you can go to comicsandcrosses.com to get my link tree to follow me on YouTube, on Twitter, or on Instagram. Um, you know, search for Comics and Crosses. And so, yeah, the new thing I've been doing since the start of this new year is the Comics and Crosses morning show. And so I've taken uh, just kind of my uh, love for chatting about all things comics and uh, biblical and um, and big grand scope themes and uh, and I've turned it into a morning show. So I um, uh, it, the whole idea is to just talk about some fun stuff and get you going Monday, Wednesday or Friday, 8 a.m. Central. You can check me out on YouTube. It streams live into YouTube, uh, Twitter, or Facebook. There's a Facebook page as well. So um, we'd awesome. love to have you join me um, and be part of the chat, or you can watch the replay, and uh, hopefully it uh, is just a little something to keep you entertained as you're going about your business. That is awesome. Wow, I can't wait. That's so much fun. Yeah, I'll have to have <laughs> you ladies on uh, the morning show with me as well to chat over there because it's um it's just a, a fun time to hang out and talk. Yeah, absolutely. Coffee. I'll be there for sure. I'll bring my coffee because <laughs> coffee. Yeah. Listen, 8 a.m. Central is 9 a.m. Uh, Eastern and I, right. I do not get up early very easily. So I'm going to need it. So. <laughs> <laughs> Well, uh, you can find us at Simply Amazing Pod.com. That's where you can find all of our links. We're on Instagram. We're on Twitter. We are on the Facebook. We are on the Instagram. I already said the Instagram. So you can find <laughs> us there. We are all over the place. Um, come find us. We do. Oh, we're also on Discord. So we got a cool Discord where we talk about Nightcrawler and everything else. Um, you uh, you can also find me at the OG Nocturne. That is uh, OG, the OG N-A-C-H-T-U-R-N-E. Um, if you, uh, Lauren, where can they find you? <laughs> yeah, y'all can find me on Twitter at friendly M-B-H-D-B-I. And if you guys want the Discord link or have any questions, just come find Lisa or I slide into our dms we'll take care of you don't worry about oh, it <laughs> slide on into those dms uh and um yes and if you enjoyed this please rate and review us say that you love us because we love you so much and if you are sitting at dinner tonight and you're looking to the side and you're saying which one of you is going to defy me which one of you is going to turn <laughs> me in well what the hell did you do to get turned in watch yourself but just remember that you are simply amazing <laughs> <laughs>